Where am I? So I'm back from SoCal and the beautiful weather and the nice beaches and everything, although I never got to really enjoy the beaches at all. I spent all time <laughs> playing Warhammer. I'm afraid that might be the case. <laughs> so tonight we've got uh, some stuff we can talk about. Um, basically what I saw at the event, um, how my matches went, uh, and I just figured what we could do is probably just jump right in. Um, for those of you who didn't follow what I took, um, I played Space Marines at SoCal. Uh, my list was all pure Raven Guard, but I'm running uh, Minotaurs as a Raven Guard successor, but just purely as Raven Guard. And uh, so if you're not familiar, what that basically means is all of the units of my army had cover if you're 12 inches away or more. But if they're infantry and they are in a terrain feature, uh, I get minus one to hit. Now, since most of my list is all infantry except for two models, that's pretty good. Uh, and it added quite a bit of durability to, my, uh, uh, to the army just across the board. I had three sets of eliminators, all with sniper rifles. I had two sets of infiltrators, which are the ones that block out anything from coming in 12 inches or closer, which basically means nothing can really get in range and deep strike. Um, and attack you that turn because you have to be again within 12 to charge. I had uh, two sets of scouts all with snipers and camo cloaks. I had uh, two sets of infiltrators or sorry intercessors that had just regular bolt rifles and I put a grenade launcher in each squad uh, which is kind of nice you kind of forget about that one point you spend but it lets you basically shoot a frag or crack grenade up to 30 inches uh, which is basically right there with the bolt rifle so uh, it's kind of a nice one point upgrade. Um, I had one unit of three assault centurions. And on my centurions, I went a little bit different. I took melta guns on all three and hurricane bolters on all three. I think most people at SoCal ran them with uh, the flamers and uh, the bolters. And the reason they did that is I think in almost every case, they didn't run them as pure Raven guards. So they had an extra three inches uh, with the, the successor trait that they take. So they can come in and use their flamers and their bolters all at once. I can't do that. So uh, it kind of helps a little bit with the melt on there where I can bring them down, get some use out of them. If I fail my charge, they did at least something in the game. And then I had one squad of three aggressors, all just with the bolt, bolt storm gauntlets. Um, they had a purpose that was a little bit different from the Centurions. And, and a couple things I kind of alluded to uh, when I was asked by some folks about them, like why I took them. Um, they have a smaller footprint, and that came into play in one of my games. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Aside from that, I had um, a chapter master, which was just a Primaris captain uh, upgraded using the two-point stratagem. I had a Primaris psyker, uh, which was primar primarily there to be able to get like null zone and uh, the Raven Guard power uh, to jump a character. And that alludes to uh, the other two characters that I took, which was a uh, special Contemptor Dreadnought character uh, called uh, Hecton Icos uh, from the Minotaurs. Uh, he is basically a Contemptor Dreadnought with an extra wound. So he has 13 wounds. He gets a four up invuln save just built in all the time. Uh, and then on top of that, he has a six up field of plane because he's a relic. So he's really tanky. The great thing is you can throw the one point half damage stratagem onto him because he's a dreadnought. 
and he can just pretty much go in there and just take all loads of damage. I also added a second Contemptor, uh, which was kitted out with two claws. And the reason I did that was that gives him a reroll one for both shooting and assault, uh, which is really cool. I put a couple plasma, uh, or I put a plasma gun and or a plasma blaster and a storm bolter on him. So it wasn't kitted out too crazy, but the plasma blaster actually did pretty good work. Uh, aside from that, my last uh, you, uh, two two guys were a lieutenant with the Mastercrafted Stalker bolt rifle. And the reason he had that was so that he could take the ex Tenebris relic or the Raven Guard relic. I took that almost every game because it is very good. And then I had uh, Ivanus and Comey, who is the uh, Menatar special chaplain. Uh, and the great thing about him is he not only has a power fist, he also has uh, the ability to cast two litanies per turn which is really good. There's, I think, only one other chaplain in the game that can do that. One, maybe two. Um, so you're, you're, you're getting a lot of value there. So all in all, what the list does, I can basically teleport the Dreadnought character to you. Uh, my Eliminators can sit in cover and shoot you, even if you're out of line of sight, and pick off all your characters. Uh, if you are in line of sight, um, I can go after you as well. Uh, one of the other last things I want to point out that I did do quite a bit was I took the, um, there's something called Corvidae bolts that you can take. It's a special issue uh, war gear item uh, for Raven Guard. And what it does is it lets you fire one shot. It ignores line of sight and I believe it ignores cover as well. Um, the great thing about this is to, when you, you have a stratagem in the codex or in the supplement that lets you put that on a sergeant. So what you do is you pick one of your Eliminator Sergeants, you put that on him, and now he can fire his sniper bolt rifle, uh, or sniper, whatever the bolt rifle is they have, or the sniper rifle. He can fire that at full damage, at the full profile, without line of sight and ignoring cover, because he gets that from the, uh, from the special issue warrior. You're only gonna be making one shot anyways with that strong bullet. So you have a chance to do mortal wounds, um, once you're in the tactical doctrine, you're hitting on twos. Um, actually, I think it's even hitting on. Oh no, because the sniper ones. rifles are heavy, so whenever you're the devastator doctrine, is whenever that applies right. to them. When you get to tactical, that's when the um, that's when the raven guard thing kicks in when you're targeting characters. So ah, okay. the second one, yeah. So that kicks in. You'll get that turn two. That'll give you plus one to hit and plus one to wound. So you're essentially hitting on ones hitting on, or I believe it's hitting on ones because I believe there's a, there's another plus one in there on the gun, uh, but I could just be, I'm just shooting off the cuff here and what I remember. Um, but there's also plus one to wounds. So you're essentially doing a moral wound on a five up. Now here's the, uh, the, the great thing about this is you don't need line of sight. You don't need, you know, you don't use the smaller profile or anything like that. It can really do a lot of work over time. Another effective thing that I was able to do was with the Lieutenant and the ex -tenebris, I could make use of uh, terrain where I could put the Lieutenant up above the other units so that he's maybe a level above them, giving them the aura, but he has line of sight and he can't be targeted because he's a character. So that let him use the full range of his ex -tenebris, which it, it has a fantastic profile. It's assault three, it's at like 30 inches, maybe 36 inches. 
Um, it's strength five minus two AP two damage, I believe, uh, which is great. I mean, it's just fantastic uh, considering you get your bonuses to hit and bonuses to wound. He only hits on threes. The lieutenant just doesn't shoot as good as like your captain or something, but with that bonus in the tactical doctrine, it works out really, really good. So overall, the list from the games I played, uh, I went five and one. Uh, and the only game that I lost, I lost by one point. So I figured I could uh, probably, uh, Mike, jump into some of these matches. Um, any questions before I do that? Um, the ability to give your sergeants that ignores cover, ignores line of sight thing, is that a once per game thing or do you give all your sergeants that? You can't. It's a one per, once per game thing uh, and it can only gotcha. go to like one sergeant. Um, gotcha. I believe it's a, it's kind of like a, re it counts as like a relic, uh, like the special mm -hmm. issue war gear items. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's a cool thing. You just stack on. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It worked uh, very well throughout all the games. Well, I, I guess the other question is, so you said both contemptors were characters. Um, obviously uh, no. the, the uh, no, it's so only the um, first one with the, Plasma cannon and the fist is character? That's correct. So okay. the character dreadnought is Hecaton Icos. He has he has a claw with a storm bolter, and then he has a special um, plasma gun that it's like a D3 plasma gun on there. Mm -hmm. um, in almost every case I'm overcharging because at least I have a field of pain against the mortal wounds. Um, yeah. but he hits on twos anyways. So you're you're gonna be using that all the time. Um mm -hmm. The other guy has the same loadout instead of just a dedicated plasma gun. He has the plasma blaster, which the funny thing is it ends up being better than the dude's plasma gun with D3 shots because yeah. you got to fix two shots with it. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just kind of nicer. Um, in the grand scheme of things though, um, the other relic contemptor uh, is going to be coming out of the list. So we can get yeah. into that. We discussed that somewhat. So I guess the, the first thing going into this is I know you've uh, played this list um, a decent amount going into this. And like, for instance, um, you played uh, against me the, the time with the orcs. Um, I guess what did you, uh, was your takeaway coming off of SoCal Open for what you're considering changing? Obviously, you said the Dreadnought's coming out, which we discussed that previously. Effectively, it's mm -hmm. sort of too much of a good thing um the if yeah and uh it's just you are limited to using your defensive stratagems only once per phase and the fact that he's also not a character sort of robs from some of um his effectiveness yeah it was kind of a last minute decision that i made before i had a chance to really play test it and mm -hmm. put it i put him in there as sort of a defense uh, so the main way i had been playing the list was i could jump the character dreadnought into the, out onto the other side of the board turn one and just let him go to work. Yeah. But what that did was it left a lot of my forces without anything really scary to defend there. Mm -hmm. And so by having the second dreadnought in the backfield, it kind of, it kind of did that where I think it prevented folks from wanting to come back in and actually assault there with that guy just kind of hanging out so they'd have to target him and go after him so a lot of times i just kind of hit him off behind a ruin or off 
out of line of sight the whole time until most of the really big nasty stuff had been either worn down or eliminated from the battlefield. And then gotcha. he could come out and kind of run around on a post. So. Sort of operate as your counter assault and late game bully unit. Pretty much. Yep. All right. Um, so, so that was that. All right. Uh, so you you did very well. You you um, won all but one game. Uh, what did you wind up losing against? So I ended up losing against uh, Caladius tanks. So, uh, <laughs> it was a guy named Jackson uh, yeah. who uh, he was. We were both four and zero at the point where we played, and this was the fifth round um, mm. that that I dropped this game. And essentially. I didn't lose the game because of the matchup. I thought I actually had the, I mean, if you, if you work through this with me, I think I had the game won, mm -hmm. but I completely misplayed the first turn. So I had to dig myself out through the rest of the game. So gotcha. here's what I did. There were two essentially magic boxes in the middle of the table. Okay. And they were offset in each kind of half of the table. I deployed all my scoutable stuff up into those boxes and then i put my eliminators with one squad off to the right and then two squads into the left box and i primarily did that because when i looked at his army here's what he had for infantry he had trajan he had the um Vixellus, uh he had um sly marbo and then three infantry squads or two or two or i think it was like two infantry squads maybe uh, yeah. and a company commander so he had he had two scary guys and then he had basically the rest of the army was, I don't really, I'm not all that worried about. And what I figured was he's going to have to make a de decision of what he wants to go after. And with the fact that I took recon, I had my forces set up so that I could get every corner from both magic boxes. And with the squads split up like that, I had a little bit of redundancy so that let's say he chose to go after the box with two squads of mm -hmm. eliminators in it. I then at least had a squad of eliminators off on the left on the other side that he had to he had to deal with, and he chose to actually go after that one. Um, my mistake in the game was that I decided to pop the eliminators all up onto the second floor so that they'd be visible. They're still in the box, but they're visible. And I tried to go after Trajan, uh, just with like mortal wounds and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and that, in hindsight, was a pretty dumb thing to do because I ended up having to. Uh, basically dump everything I had into him, didn't kill him, got real close, and then I tried to use orbital bombardment to finish him off, and yeah. it essentially just completely whiffed. And not only did it whiff, it did like two mortal wounds to like one dude in the whole little castle he had. And as a result, it drained my command points, it exposed really important things in my army, and mm -hmm. I sat there, I just basically sat down after my turn and I'm looking at this and I'm realizing I probably just threw the game away by doing that. Now, yeah. as the game evolved from there, um, I was able to kind of dig my way out and mm -hmm. Jackson and I were talking afterwards and, you know, the way he was, he was kind of looking at it was, you know, yeah, that, that first turn was really good and he felt like, okay, I definitely got the game in much better shape at this point. But then he's kind of watching as the as the turns would go by, what would happen was he would have trouble killing stuff because I'm just hiding. Yes. Almost everything has been taken away. And with his tanks, he had Caladius tanks and everything that were just sitting out there. It's not that they didn't have things to shoot at. 
It's just the stuff they were shooting at was very inefficient for them to shoot at. Like, yeah. you know, he, I think he dumped everything. Even when I was exposed that first turn, I was amazed at how much survived. Um, he dumped almost everything. He get, he got one eliminator squad gone. And then I think he killed one eliminator in the next squad. Um, and then that was it. And then after that, I just, I held those boxes um, I pretty much castled up my dudes uh, in there. And then what I did in one of the boxes was I took my captain and my ex Tenebris and popped them up to the second level. Now it wasn't exposed. It was an indoor second level, but they could see. And what that let me do is essentially use them to fire with line of sight and he could not fire back and target me just like I was talking about with my list. And so yeah. I was able to whittle things down. Um, my Contemptor Dreadnought, um, both Contemptor Dreadnoughts actually survived probably until about turn four, if I'm recalling correctly. And it essentially got down to about the last turn. And what I had to do was I had to make a run at a couple tanks. And he had three Palace tanks and three um, Caladius tanks. And I had Ivanus and Comey. I had the Dreadnoughts. And I pretty much, and then I think I also had my assault centurions that that came in. They deep struck in a building, and what I tried to do is uh, at least kill off some of those tanks. And either through a combination of saves versus a combination of me failing charges and things like that, um, it that just didn't roll out the way it ne I needed it to. I didn't get yeah. a couple breaks there. And I think had I, that might have been enough for me to dig my way out, but. The, the real problem was just the um, the mistake I made in the beginning. I should not have exposed the Eliminators. Had I done that, that was a kill more uh, or a kill one and a, and a kill more for me because I could have definitely not gone for Trajan. I would have probably gone after his company commander and just yeah. used ignore line of sight, boom. And I just get a kill one and we're done. Um, yeah. Honestly, it sounds to me like the sort of a worst case scenario for both of you. Um, your list sort of suffers versus vehicle heavy lists and his list. Well, your list is very extremely just good against other shooting lists between the minus one to hit the always being in cover and mm -hmm. several other abilities unique to Raven guard. Um, and I, I do think ultimately you're right. Um, if you'd played that first turn better and effectively not given up the uh, kill more, kill one, and um, on him, you probably could have um, done much better. Yeah. Yeah. We'd still be looking at five and one. I still think though, I, well, I don't think I would have set myself up any worse, but the one thing that didn't, it, it was just kind of not a high scoring event for me. And mm -hmm. a lot of that was just, there were a couple things I realized I was playing wrong uh, with secondaries. And so I probably short shorted myself quite a few points, like either with engineers or things where dudes were sitting inside buildings and they could have just sat there the whole time untouched collecting engineer points. Um, and, yeah. I, and I probably should have taken that over maybe behind enemy lines or other stuff that I tried to use that I blanked on, you know, in some games. And Yeah. So what, what secondaries did you think you wound up taking um, with your list? I mean, obviously, um, headhunter headhunter is like perfect for you and with uh yep. the effectively everyone ha always runs at least four characters if not more it's a sort of a gimme yeah and even in games where you have you know like trajan who's you know just a tank in in and of itself or custody characters 
it wasn't so much a problem because eventually they start failing saves and you're mm -hmm. just hitting them over and over and over again every single turn yeah. and eventually they're gone um i i thought a really good game that kind of put into perspective the effectiveness of eliminators and how good they were was when i played um uh i think it's uh Aki uh or peter uh Aki. hopefully i'm saying his name right um he had an uh basically it was um an alay talk list using the new um the new stuff for the um oh uh, what is it the uh, dire avengers essentially yeah the uh new um msu dire avengers with the um upgrades so that whenever you deal damage to them their shuriken catapults just get really nasty exactly but one of the things with eldar that is still a big thing is their characters are pretty fragile like they're yeah. they're not they're not anywhere near as tanky and that those armies still like if you look at the prime the the fundamentals of eldar armies how they deal with stuff is usually doom and jinx right mm -hmm. like 90 percent of solving their problems is doom and jinx um so he's obviously got you know loaded up with you know farseers skyrunners um so he had at least like he had three he had three warlocks two of them were skyrunners um he had uh two altruck skyrunners a farseer skyrunner um so he's got a ton of those things to give you a to get back to what i was trying to say to give you an idea of how strong these things were by about turn four of that game, we're playing Hammer and Anvil. He had every single one of his characters on the very back edge of the board, hiding away from all my snipers. Yeah. And, and what he had basically fallen back to as a strategy was to move a guy up, um, you know, try to cast something and then quicken him back. And, I thought that was a very smart way to to do it but if you look at the fact that i pretty much had him sitting on his back foot on the other side of the board it it controlled a lot of the game and then his, yeah, his was stuff no way he was going to win doing me. that because um, he was effectively robbing himself of all of his force multipliers that's pretty much what it was so that that helped out i didn't necessarily realize that until i saw him with everything just literally on the back edge of the board i think he was what also gets tough is the fact that I have um, with the with the Corvidae bolts. Uh, oh, one thing I think I f forgot to mention is it extends the range of the rifle by like six inches. <laughs> so so now you have to deal with regular thirty six inch rifles. Then you have a forty two inch rifle. Then you have I think the thirty six inch X Tenebris that's in there, uh, or possibly thirty inches. And then I have thirty inch bolt rifles. So when mm -hmm. you're looking at all those those different ranges, especially with the sniper rifles, you're looking at different things in there. There's a lot to keep track of. Um, and so you could be moving stuff around, but you might say, "Hey, I've got that one guy with one wound left that steps over." Well, you know, you're still within forty two, so I'm going to go take a shot with that um, and that kind of thing. So um, it just kind of makes you think a little bit when you're playing against it, which is always in your favor. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was his flyers kept coming back. Um, so I had to obviously hide my two dreadnoughts in the back because otherwise, you know, he had yeah, three. He's going to melt them. Oh yeah. He'll just go right through them. Um, even with the, the half damage strat and everything, he'll just go right through them. Um, yeah. so what I, 
basically did turn one was try to take away as much as I could just with a bit of a strong strike, um, which I at least got a, um, uh, the wave serpent destroyed. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to kill the, um, uh, the guardians as well, or not the guardians, the, um, dire Avengers, dire Avengers. Yes. Thank you. So I was able to get them too. Um, he had some shining spears in there, but again, the shining spears just didn't, they were never a problem because he couldn't get stuff in to force multiply them. Right. Yeah. So he couldn't really get them in. Plus they can't assault anything in buildings. So I also was using stuff up on floors inside buildings to stay away from stuff. Um, that all just kind of was a constant theme of the event that if you're going to play Raven guard, the thing I knew going into it is I have to get good terrain. And on, I would say five out of my six matches, I got good terrain. I got terrain I could use um, even in the one where I didn't have any magic boxes, which was the first two, first two of the first three games, actually, sorry, my, all three of my first three games, I had no magic boxes. So you know, I had to definitely work with ruins, play positioning. Um, you know, I had to be real careful in there. So, yeah. And then I'm looking at some of the things you posted while sort of while the event was going. Going, looks like the first day you played like Nurgle Town, then Nurgle Thousand Sons. Uh, yeah. So that that's funny because the Nurgle list that I played, both the first one and the third one, you'd think would be kind of tough matchups for me. Uh, because their characters are probably the toughest in the game, aside from bringing, like, I don't know, a Lord of Change or something like that, right? Yeah, so we're talking like Nurgle Demons or Nurgle uh, Death Guard? Well, let's start with the first list, um, which was Julio. Julio had a pretty cool list. His army looked amazing. Um, he had three Plague Burst Crawlers. He had a Chaos Lord uh, with a Jump Pack in that. Um, and that was all Death Guard. Uh, and then he had a... Uh, Nurgle Demon Prince, and then he had three Hellforged uh, Derradeo Dreadnoughts, um, and all of them had the Butcher Cannons on them. Um, and then okay. they also had the uh, the Indirect Fire Havoc Launchers. And then he had in his third detachment, he had Typhus and three Contemptor Dreadnoughts, all with Butcher Cannons. So if you're looking at that matchup without Magic Boxes, you're probably thinking that's probably not a great matchup, right? That didn't I mean, look too good. I mean, he had to, he had enough shots and they're two damage shots to go after me, but yeah, though I actually I'm thinking about the butcher cannons. As much as they have the damage too, they don't have enough AP to really punch through your cover. Yeah, to... and I think that was the big problem. Kind uh, of a cover offset. Well, yeah. with a, with the eliminators, I effectively always had a two up save because mm -hmm. they have they have an effective one up save, and even the minus one is just enough to bring them, you know, budge them off the one up. Yeah. So in that match, um, essentially, I played more of a, like a wear wear things down, mm -hmm. wear them down kind of game. Um, pick just kind of picked a couple things apart. And then it got down towards the end and I realized that there were just a couple things I needed to do to try and win. And mm -hmm. since I had the bottom of the turn in that game, that definitely boded well for me uh, so that I could hold objectives at the end. Yeah. Um, I essentially still had my Assault Centurions. I still had my um, 
uh, I, yeah, actually, I think the aggressors were dead, or there was one aggressor left hiding, holding an objective. And essentially, I was in enough of a position where I think we kind of ran out of time. Um, we, we started a little bit late. And after running out of time, we just kind of were able to talk about that last round and just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, point out here's, here's what we think is going to happen. And it, it ended up pretty, uh, two points for me on that one. Um, so it was just yeah. kind of a, like a grueling first match. And then the, um, I'll come back to the second match because I had an amazing game against Paul McKelvey. Um, but Chris Simon, um, awesome dude from Hawaii. Uh, he was running, um, kind of a combination mix it kind of like a an evolved version in a way of um jim vessels list mm -hmm. where he has a um a, a big play blur uh plague bearer blob a couple nurgling squads sloppity bile piper pox springer um you know so he's got some nurgle demons then he's got a death guard detachment with a demon prince of nurgle a big blob of blight lord terminators um two foul blight spawns uh which he was uh giving the lovely name of poop shooters um and then he had uh two plague burst crawlers uh to finish that up he also had aramon and two demon princes uh, here's what essentially happened in that game i have and I'm realizing now one thing I forgot to mention is in my list is the Thunderfire Cannon. And I only have <laughs> one, and it's mostly there for utility. I tremor shelled the hell out of his Plague Bears. Um, I think I did yeah. that twice. And what that did was it prevented him from advancing, it halved his movement, and it also prevented, uh, because of the way he deployed, he decided to put his um, uh, Blightlord Terminators on the board, and they were all behind, kind of protected behind the Plague Bearer blob. It acted as a roadblock for the Blight Lords because they couldn't move through the Plague Bears and get out in front. And so it kind of log jammed everything. And I think for the first two turns, what I did was just kind of sat back and went after Demon Princes while still trying to get some some kills on like the Nurglings. Uh, I think I was using the Nurglings as as just something to give me like a kill one while yeah. I was not worried about, I mean, he didn't have very much shooting at all except for the play burst crawler. And he brought one right up into my face, um, which those things are so annoying. They are so annoying to kill um, that, you know, because they're <laughs> T8, they have the disgusting resilience and they have the invuln. And so you've got to go through so many wounds on those things. And it feels just, it always feels like they just don't die. So that thing got in my face and luckily I was able to, you know, just, I forget what I threw at it, but there was enough to just get in there and kill it. And then once that was out of my face, he had the other one in the backfield. And I think my other relic contemptor was able to get in and uh, weaken it while the rest of all my stuff started to kind of flank his army. So if you think of it, there was a, there was a ruin, a big ruin in the middle of the board. And then there were some ruins on the corners and I had kind of staked up my snipers in the main ruin in my corner. And so he was, he was basically coming around the ruin, uh, almost like an, an arc in a way, trying to get to me. And I essentially went to the opposite side of the board or the opposite side of the middle ruin and started mm -hmm. flanking the back of his army, where his Demon Prince was, his Sloppity Biopiper, Poxbringer. Um, basically, those had gotten a little exposed and the rest of everything had just come in. Um, what I tried to do was I tried to bring in the, I wanted to just wipe the plague bearers right, right on turn two in one go. 
And I was fairly confident that with the aggressors and the centurions, I would be able to do that. And all I had to do was jump my Primaris captain over to them so that I could just re-roll failures. Unfortunately, I completely flubbed that roll, even with a even with a single re-roll to try and get the psychic power off. So that just went kaput. And at that point, I actually thought I just lost the game because I just exposed all that stuff. Now, thankfully, that wasn't the case. And I was able to get in and just kind of, um, you know, be annoying enough in that part of the board to hold another objective. And, and mm-hmm. at that point, where his stuff was strung out, he couldn't get and hold objectives uh, or as many objectives as me. Um, and again, his he didn't have a big shooting army. And even though the Blight Lords were pretty good at shooting or with all their combi bolters, I mean, I just don't care about combi bolters. You're hitting me on what, fours, threes or fours or something yeah, like fours. that. And, you know, I'm saving on twos, right, with cover. So yeah. I just, you can you can throw lots of shots at me. Great. You did like a wound or you maybe killed an intercessor. I mean, let's, I'll, I'll respond now. Uh, so that was it. That was a good game, um, but I want to go back to the Tau match, which was round two. Um, and even though I, if you look at each of these games, so round one, I won by two points. Round two, uh, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, I won by two points. Round three, I won by five points. Um, five was probably the highest margin that I had almost the entire weekend, uh, just in these mm-hmm. games. And the way I was playing my list, it just didn't. I did not just wipe you from the table, which meant I played a very grueling, slogging, drag out kind of kind of match where I just had to make sure that I was maximizing my ability to score more each round. Um, mm-hmm. And by doing that, or even going for bonus points in some cases, by doing that, that gave me the edge where I denied you to the ability to actually get to my dudes. Um, yeah. That's kind of what happened in round two with Paul. Um, now, Paul was running Tau. He was not running triple uh, Triptide. Uh, he was running two Riptides uh, and one uh, Stealth Suit uh, squad. He had, um, you know, a plethora of commanders. Uh, he had a Cold Star commander. Um, I'll tell you the thing that was pretty annoying were the, um, I, I believe it's the XV-9s. Uh, no, not the XV-9s. The, uh, the Hazard commander. I think think that actually yeah i think it was the hazard suits because they're almost like um yeah they have the like the the quadruple burst cannons or whatever right and so those come down with everything else i mm-hmm. think he deep struck them those come in and i'm exposed and he just starts going to town on me and essentially what happened was i had to get into this scenario where uh the, so i'll say hecton icos became the mvp of this game he took so one of the things you can do is even though he can't be your warlord you can pay one point to make him a hero to give him a warlord trait by doing that i give him the the raven guard warlord trait where you don't get overwatch against him so now you've got this big lumbering dude jumping around wherever he wants um who basically you don't get overwatch against and against tau that's super super strong um and even though I completely realized that I misplayed a couple times where when he charges, you do D3 mortal wounds just automatically to something within one inch of him, mm-hmm. which is f- fantastic, especially at the end, if you're going after like characters or whatever. Um, but against how you can use that no overwatch to your advantage, uh, which 
really helps you get through like greater good and stuff like that. So that helped me out a lot. Um, I did end up just basically clearing most of his drones, but we got to the very end and essentially um, he hadn't killed anything on my turn. I think we were tied um, and there was a way for me to get like one point or whatever. And, you know, Paul, Paul was a great guy to play with. It was a great game. Um, you could tell both of us were really trying through the whole event or for the, through the whole match. It wasn't just kind of like, you know, Hey, we're just, you know, taking it easy. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't tense either. It was just, mm -hmm. you know, both of us were really focused on the game. Um, and at the end, I essentially had a squad of infiltrators that were halfway up the board. And what I realized they needed to do was charge a riptide that was left with two wounds. Um, it was the last riptide and it was sitting on an objective. And if I could charge the riptide and at least get into combat and survive and stay there, um, I would then hold more than him. Um, and I think that was the extra point that I needed, but here's what actually happened. Um, so we get to the point where we realize I have to charge the riptide with the infiltrators. So I charge the riptide wipes out all but one infiltrator with one wound on them. All right. Just one wound left on one infiltrator. I roll my charge. I make it. I think I rolled like an 11 or something on the charge. It was a big charge gets into combat. So I have three attacks with him. I hit all three times. I'm only going to wound this guy on fives, right? So I don't have a lot going for me. I wounded with three fives. So then he's got to make three saves. And so we got a little dramatic there. And so he rolls the first dice. It's a one. And all of a sudden we're realizing, oh boy, here we go. And so then he goes and he rolls the second one and it saves. Uh, but I just needed one more wound to get through to kill the riptide. Um, and so he rolls the last one and I think it got cocked under a, under a druid or something. So there's all this suspense and everything. And we're all, I mean, we're having a really good time. So he rolls the last one. It's another one. And so this one infiltrator that was left just basically uppercutted a riptide killed the riptide the riptide didn't i don't think they explode uh they might explode but it didn't explode anyways um and then the problem was i had to roll uh for morale <laughs> and he and he rolls a he just straight out just first roll rolls a one on his morale and it's just like all right that dude's getting a promotion <laughs> yeah so that was probably the highlight of my whole weekend uh at the event so Mm -hmm. um the day two i think we've already talked about two of the matches the last match there um so i had already dropped one here's the cool thing um if you remember from lvo i i did an interview with a guy named zach thacker uh mm -hmm. who played uh, he played almost a mostly thousand sons list at lvo and i lost to him at lvo uh, so it was really funny to see his name show up where we're playing each other now in the last round after I had just dropped that last match to Jackson. And the poor guy sounded like he had had a miserable morning. Um, you know, he had gotten sick and you could tell the guy was not feeling good. Um, so he walked, he, he was playing 100% uh, uh, Renegade Knights or Chaos Knights. So he had, I believe it was like four of the um, Forge World War Dogs. Yes. Okay. 
He had four of the war dogs, uh, but they have those really good, um, the, the Forge World ones have access to like a, they have like a grav, like a better version of a Yeah, the, the Volkite Charger. Yes, uh, but it's not the, it's a, it's called a Graviton Pulsar. Ah, it's it the new, new ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, it's the very new one. Um, and when he was reading the profile to me, I was like, oh, good God, that's terrible because it's like each wound that gets through is picking up a centurion, mm-hmm. um, which was actually very smart of him to bring that uh, with the meta being what it was. Uh, and then he had uh, three despoilers. So you look at this on paper and you go, you know, this is actually going to be kind of an uphill battle for me because despite the fact that he he did have some characters, like two, three of the knights, actually, uh, three of the big knights were all characters. Uh, it was a, a thing that my army does not handle well, which was all the vehicles. Um, so what I ended up doing in that match was there was one there was one magic box I could use. Um, and just to clarify, if anybody's wondering what a magic box is, um, at ITC or frontline events, they have buildings that have uh, no walls or windows on them that you can enter as an infantry unit. But you can uh, only go in there if they have doors on them. Uh, they have four walls and windows, not not no walls. They they have to have four walls, or at least they yes. have to be fully. Did I say no walls? You did All say right. no walls. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about then. So. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So effectively, it's a fully enclosed building um, yep. that, unless you're infantry, you cannot go inside. Um, so, Which is just like any ruin, basically. They're, yeah. The only infantry. Which means that you can't like run inside. around it and uh, kill the guys if you get enough movement. Anyways, and, proceed. And most players you talk to will will say that that's generally a good thing for the game because it does help a bit with some of the armies that you don't have like a bowling ball or plan a bowling ball for that you know, lack of a better term. Um, the The last map I had had one building like that that I could get into. And so I just deployed in a way that I could get in there. Um, my big problem was the rest of the map didn't have very much cover at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was very, very little cover. Um, there were places for me to hide and essentially uh, all of my infantry ended up like getting as close to walls as they could but staying one inch away so that they could not get charged through the wall and they could basically stay as best out of line of sight as possible and it was a nightmare to try to pull that off Um, and then what I effectively did after that was just not expose units that made it easy for him to kill. And uh, I tried to focus fire down the war dogs to one side of the board. So he essentially screened me off with his war dogs. And then he had the three big knights in the back and the three big Mm -hmm. knights in the back were essentially just trying to wait out the centurions and aggressors coming in. Turn two gets there and, or actually I held them out turn two and I waited until turn three. Um, and that gave me extra time to continue shooting at the two war dogs. And I was able to at least take out one of them, which opened up a hole. And even Zach, I think, will admit that he could have screened off a little bit better there. Um, but he left a little hole open, and it was enough room for me to not only get the two, the centurions and aggressors in there, I also brought the contemptor dreadnought up, or I jumped him up as well in the psychic phase. Um, and that essentially made it so that 
I had enough stuff to really get in his face and really just hit him with everything that I could all at once. Um, it turns out that the Centurions made their charge, the aggressors didn't make their charge, and the Dreadnought made his charge. Um, as a result, uh, the Centurions pretty much almost killed the, or did kill an entire despoiler on their own. Uh, consider the fact that they're hitting on twos, winning on twos in the tactical doctrine. Um, I assume that the spoilers were running the usual thermal cannon, uh, yes. rapid fire battle cannon loadout. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what they were doing. R running th uh, dual thermal cannons on a whole. Oh yeah. So yeah. And he had the, uh, the stronger missile pod, he did not have the indirect fire missile pod. So that was also a disadvantage for him in that match, even mm -hmm. though the, the profile on those isn't going to do all that much for him. It would have been enough yeah, to say, go after to scouts. A few wounds, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so essentially what happened was that got through. Um, the Contemptor went after one of the other war dogs that was still screening off and he got back almost kind of into the backfield there. And so at that point, he had lost a despoiler. Uh, he had lost at least two war dogs. I think the third fell um, uh, at the end of that turn. Um, so he was really on his back foot. And then basically it came down to, we got to the sixth turn and he had, I think like two or three knights still standing. He did clear out all that stuff in the backfield there that got into him, uh, which I expected. Uh, but from a point standpoint, the fact that he was sitting on the back of the table having to wait for me to bring that in meant that for like two, almost three full turns, yeah, I just basically, points. bingo. And so I'm getting recon, I'm holding more objectives. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was the character one. So I had three characters in range of objectives, at least on one, uh, mm -hmm. uh, one or two turns. So yeah, I was controlling the board. And even though he was able to start making a push towards the end, um, it basically just came down to how much could I hide from him at the very end. And that's essentially how that ended up playing out. And I think mm -hmm. I ended up uh, winning that one uh, pretty solidly by about seven, seven points or so against him. But, you know, it, would it probably be closer or different had he not been so sick? Probably. I probably got it, got away with one there against him mm -hmm. uh, considering he wasn't feeling so good. So yeah. Hopefully he's feeling better now. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that match didn't make him feel any better, but, um, you know, at least it gave me a matchup against Knights and, um, you know, it just kind of was one of those things where I just kept everything out of line of sight and just played objective holding. And that, that is how you pulled that match out. So, yeah. So I guess, um, after having listened to your games and, uh, everything I've heard about how that tournament went, it sounds like the, uh, shooting meta has sort of almost doubled down on um that being what everyone's planning for um that were did you see anyone that did even remotely well uh bringing any sort of aggressive assault lists i mean the, the closest thing i saw uh, it was the the one nurgle list and even then there's just a, a huge block of uh plague bears which doesn't really even count yeah no i mean they're it, it is a shooting or uh, shooting meta and it has definitely become more of a shooting meta. There is definitely assault that happens in the game in certain cases, but nobody is really playing that as their primary mechanism. So Yanari wasn't, wasn't really up there. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at say the top 10, I mean, you've got Tau, Orcs, 
and then Space Marines pretty much filling all that out. Um, there was a there was Junior's Night List up there, obviously too, and Brandon Grant with his uh, with his Guard List. But uh, for the most part, all of it was not. It's basically everything could shoot, but then stuff that could shoot was also good in melee. And that's what, if you look at all those top lists, maybe not so much with Tau, although I think Tau can be sneaky with, with their assault. Um, Tau just goes toe to toe with you shooting, right? They, yeah. they will just, I mean, you don't, you, there's not another army in the game that really goes toe to toe with them when it comes to shooting like that. Orcs are the only ones I think that come even close. And we're going to have to wait to see whether they make, make it through chapter approved. Mm-hmm. Still maintaining that ability. Um, Nick Sutherland, um, a friend of ours from Dallas came with us and he brought his orc list and, you know, without a doubt, you know, on, on paper and on the table, um, you know, he backs it up that he can go toe to toe with a lot of those lists. So, and he took, he took seventh overall. So that was pretty good for him. Yeah. Hmm. So we talked a little bit, Mike, um, I think you were saying there were some things that I wanted to change coming out of that. Yeah. Um, I think, so I'll, I'll say this, one of the obvious things that I want to change, uh, that was a limitation. Um, uh, it's not going to be in effect for Warzone Atlanta, which I am going to. I'm taking the exact same list from SoCal to Warzone Atlanta. I didn't have time to. Um, well, basically lists were due the Friday, the Friday before SoCal. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the Friday before SoCal lists were due. Um, I didn't have, that means I hadn't actually played SoCal, so I had no idea what the list was going to do. So I just basically said, look, I'll just take the same list. I'll at least be familiar with it. I'm not going to make any big shakeup or anything like that with the, with what I'm taking and we'll go from there. Um, the obvious things that I would change after that, I definitely want more Phobos stuff. So mm-hmm. My characters, I think, are going to go more towards the Phobos route. So maybe a Phobos captain, Phobos uh, lieutenant, uh, Phobos uh, librarian. Uh, and what that lets me do is just deploy the army together. I don't have yeah. to do some some weird things like moving, using stratagems and stuff like that. Yeah, because then they all get the ability to infiltrate. Yep, and I think that's something that when you look at it on paper, it seems overpriced. But once you actually start playing that way and can use it effectively, you realize the value that's there. It's it can be very very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I want to do uh, is take the scouts out. Uh, they what they effectively ended up doing all game, in almost every game, was hiding because they were so easy to kill. Yeah, they're sort of the the weak link, and even the game that we played. Um, I knocked them out fairly quickly, uh, just literally on my way up to the rest of your army. Yep. So what I like the concept of is taking incursors, uh, and the incursors basically just have ignore cover bolt rifles, but they do have the ability to scout, if I recall correctly, and they have the ability to drop a mine down on an objective. And mm-hmm. the great thing about doing that with Raven Guard is you can not only do that on an objective, but you can also do that with a stratagem on the same objective, which means that a, a enemy that comes within range is going to take at least something like you know four or five mortal wounds uh, just to just to get onto that objective more or less, mm-hmm. and that can be kind of a deterrent to anything for that matter um hell you have like a venom or something like that it can be enough that it'll just pop the venom right away yeah. so definitely 
And that's, I think that's probably about it. I, obviously the, the Contemptor will come out. Thunderfire Cannon will stay in there. Uh, most of the other stuff that's in there will probably stay in there. So. Yeah. I think those are pretty good choices to make moving forward. Um, I, I kind of feel that the scouts, while they're still good, uh, don't necessarily benefit your army as much as they might have before, uh, yeah. mostly on account of you already have the just very mean snipers with the eliminators. And because your scouts have heavy weapons, uh, they don't benefit from the full right. uh, bonuses of the tactical doctrine like the um, incursors do. Right. And there were a couple of games where they got some shots off, but they just aren't going to do all that much because you got to wait, you got to get them to at least turn two. And with yeah. them being as fragile, even with camo cloaks um, and even with the Raven guard traits, um, as being as frail as they are, they just aren't going to make it that far in the game. And so you've got to hide them. And then mm -hmm. what happens is when they hide, well, something comes and basically assaults them uh, to, to kill them anyways, because they still, that's an easy kill. Yeah. Um, and so I think if, you, if you're just going to end up hiding them, it just doesn't do very much for you. And you're better off taking like some more space marines, some more two wound models in there. When yeah. you're, I mean, at 80 points for those scout snipers, that's all. That's pretty expensive comparative to mm -hmm. the, you know, to the to the primary squads that you can get. So definitely. Um, but the other thing is, is they were just kind of a starting. This is uh, they were starting unit in the army, and this is what we talked about. Kind of as you play your army and as you evolve it and you learn lessons about it, this is a very good example of realizing how you can evolve your list, um, how you can identify things that aren't working the right the way you want it to and how you can actually like get it more effective towards the strategy that you're using yeah you just identify things like that like i'm just not using the scouts so what can i put in the army that would be useful for those points yeah we'd um discussed uh previously uh a chaplain dreadnought uh whatever happened with that so i looked at that a little bit but the the idea of uh, Hector Icos is a lot better right now, just simply because he's so much more tanky. And in most matches, I can hide him. Uh, gotcha. I can put him in a ruin or behind something. And so I think I already have uh, a pretty good chaplain with Ivanus and Comey. And sticking the chaplain dread out, um, you know, despite the fact that he's not targetable, um, it is a lot of points to sink into something like that. And for the points, I'd rather spread them out and balance the army a little bit more, kind of like with adding in cursors and things like that. And I think I yeah. might even be able to squeeze maybe like an impulsor into the list too, which is a neat new little toy that they get. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, think the impulsor will make a pretty decent sized splash in the uh, types of list we're seeing because it's, see, at least on paper, it seems like a very good transport um, sort of, why bring a rhino? Because you have an impulsor. Yeah, that's that pretty much what everybody is saying. Yeah. Really, uh, see play, because marines don't really get used anymore. Well, regular marines. It's all primaris now. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing is just because we are a thousand sons podcast. Uh -huh. um, in the meta that you saw at SoCal, what sort of thousand sons list do you think would have even a snowball's chance in hell of? being able to operate i know that we've seen in the last like nine months now since itc yeah. changed the rules for factions thousands of have been on the downturn um and with the meta shifting to 
even more shooting with now we have these super hard to kill iron uh, hands death stars the mm-hmm. sniper lists saw the raven guard um, how do thousand suns compete in this meta well your guess right now is as good as mine <laughs> the matches i saw made me realize that thousand suns so first of all it's a sign when there's not a single person there playing mono thousand suns even fluffy you know, it's one of the more popular armies in the game. You can look at that just basically on the size of our subreddit, the size of our Discord server. I mean, we we are we have a very very good community, but there are a lot of people that like the army and play it. Um, the fact that that's the case, and there wasn't a single Thousand Suns army in there. Now that would have meant they would they would have been mono Thousand Suns. But there, you know, even in the cases where there were armies with Thousand Suns, at least in the ones that were good, that were doing decent, or had a chance at like a, you know, five and one type record, none of them were taking more than maybe, a, you know, the Demon Princes and Aramon. They take, they're yeah. down to just those things being the only valuable things to take. Um, when you look at Zangors and their price, and their profile in the game, uh, they and the fact that they don't get shock assault or hateful assault as well, they're, it just shows how far down the pile they've been pushed because they're still set up as if it was the beginning of 8th edition. Mm-hmm. And everything needs a little bit of a bump. I mean, hell, Rubric Marines at least can get an additional attack right now. Um, yeah, even though they don't have a way to really capitalize on it. Yeah, exactly. But... Still, I mean, Scarab Occult might be a little bit, but you know, even then, that's kind of like, yeah, it's like the only. This is the meta where they're kind of good, but they're not. They're still not going to see the action just because of the cost of them at the moment. Yeah, um, and they can be eliminated pretty easy. Yeah, so I just they don't do feel see kind of toothless uh, compared to a lot of what we're seeing. I mean, I take Wolfen for example. If uh, Wolfen, which are priced about equivalently charge into Scarab Occult, there's no question that who's going to win that fight. I mean, hell, even mm-hmm. if Scarab Occult charge into them, it's it's still just not a good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, your AP2 bolters are kind of a little bit of a draw. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen, I think, with the Death Watch folks, they, I think they can take AP2 bolters in there and, you yep. know, those tend to be pretty scary with, with all the storm bolters that they can load into the, the veteran squads, but uh, at least there you have you have the ability. Yeah, to... they can have two point storm shields. <laughs> I mean, seriously, guys, that's two point storm shields. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, again, it just goes across the board to all the stuff, and don't even start on like demon engines and the mutilith vortex beasts and Zangor and Lightning. They're just they are in very bad shape right now that even mm-hmm. competitively i don't think there's a lot you can do to put them on the table just period i just don't think they can even i, I looked at those boards and those games and i was realizing that i don't think i could have scrapped together maybe three wins at that tournament had i been playing mono mono t suns and i mean that that would have been probably doing well if i could have broken even like three games go three and three i would have been pretty happy with that but yeah you know um i will say that there were some folks trying to experiment a little bit and try and figure it out 
Um, Jim Vessel, I think, was doing some stuff with Knights, um, and I think he he had a real rough tournament, at least early on. I think he dropped a game day one, and then day two, I think he dropped another one. And I think at that point, you just kind of realized that, you know, it was he just wasn't feeling it, and he, I think he dropped out at that point. But I think that just kind of shows that there's some folks still trying to figure it out, you know, figure something out with chaos, and, you know, he at least deserves you know, a little tip of the cap there. Um, yeah. There was something we were discussing uh, in Houston that would be pretty funny. Um, we've been thinking, kicking around this idea that you could take a 30-man pink horror blob with reserved points for a full split to 60 blue horrors and a full split to 60 brimstone horrors afterwards and pretty much deep strike that and put that down wherever you want and just say, this is mine. I'm holding this objective. Good luck ending me off. Yeah, I don't know whether that could work competitively or not, but it would be pretty fun to play with that as a concept and then design around it a little bit. I don't, I don't know right now whether we could or not. Chapter approved is probably what we'd have to wait for. Yeah, there. It'd be interesting to see somebody try it, though. I think there are a few armies that just would, well, wreck its face. Um, yeah, for lack of a better word, effectively. Um, Space Marines, I don't think would really care about that because you just have Library and Null Zone. They lose their influence save and then just blap them off the table with bolters. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you orcs would probably beat them in assault. Um, I mean, you are going to need attacks. at least you are going to need at least 160 bullets, 150 bullets to do it. I mean, strictly speaking, um, you only need about half of that um, if you uh, kill them with a morale well there's always the two point auto pass right yeah so um yeah i'm, I'm honestly i find it's funny how the, the the meta sort of shifted so hard and rapidly because for a while there um, about a good month or two chaos was ascendant and then the new space spring codex and all the supplements dropped and it's like well let's <laughs> just kick that into the closet yeah. Well, it shows you what happens when you roll out a good army. Um, yeah. What it definitely. can do to a game, right? You know. Um, yeah. And I will say the one, as much as Marines have taken over, the one good thing out of this is, as much as I do see some folks still running an Alpha Strike heavy list, I don't think you'll ever 100% remove that from the game. There will still be armies that try to play that way. Yeah. But I think if you look across the board at what was up there they were not alpha strike heavy armies. And in general, I did not see armies doing well that were focused on alpha strikes. Yeah. And I think that's probably good because that just isn't fun to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah. You know, the, 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 game, uh, the game's over in like two turns, three turns. Nobody wants to play those kind of games. Yeah. Which is part of the reason the um, Raven guard and iron hands mitigate that a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, on the one hand that that is good because effectively the uh, problem with the alpha strikes is they front load everything into the first two turns and then they have nothing left over for the end mm-hmm. um, whereas if now that there are armies that can sort of counter that style of play you can't really afford to play like that and people are having to actually start playing the game exactly. which is good um, I just kind of the, the, we're still in the growing pains of what is like 8th edition point five, where 
everyone's got their codexes. Now we're getting the second printing as they sort of adjust things with the new releases, new abilities. And um, I'm hoping with as more things get released, the we'll see some of these armies that are sort of suffering um, brought up a bit. Obviously, I think the Eldar Psychic Awakening supplement sort of fell flat. Um, I, I'm not. I think time will tell whether that um, stays the case. Whether somebody will figure out something that actually works with them. Um, I haven't delved into it a ton, most because I'm not really playing Eldar at the moment, or at least not ty- that type of Eldar. Um, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, as the more books come out uh things will get adjusted so that we see a little more variety uh for instance uh space marines are still missing black templars um it's they get a book at the end of the month which well i should say they share a book with a bunch of um, foul dirty heretics that uh i'm hoping will give them back their toys plus bring them on par with the well their shooty um brothers or whatever the heck the former brothers yeah and that's kind of the consensus i've heard on the eldar stuff too that it's it's fallen flat and most eldar players i I, at least i've talked to don't seem to be too happy about it or you know just kind of shrug it off like there's not much there to really though although uh, the other half of that though is that this isn't the full release um effectively this is sort of like a band-aid because so marines when they got their full codex not only did they got, get the make your own chapter thing, which is what all of Psychic Awakening really was, plus a couple like the, the Exarch things, which mm-hmm. I like the Exarch things actually for what they give you. Um, they're fantastic. Um, even though there are some ones that's like, this is obviously the best choice. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was that the rest of the Space Spring release did two things. One, they got some new models or they consolidated models into the codex, but stratagems got adjusted, tweaked, and they even added in new ones. And the Eldar haven't received any of that yet. Um, So expecting Psychic Awakening to do the same thing as a full codex release is sort of unreasonable. Um, Whereas I think that as people, the codexes get their full releases, that's when you'll start to see these sort of extra toys that Marines got. Um, and I think that people just need to sort of chill out and wait for the the full release to come. Um, so you think you think there's going to be another release at some point where Eldar will get some more stuff? I think that's exactly what we're going to see. Psychic Awakening um, was is a it's a campaign. It's it's not a full like codex update um, when it's effectively they, they are almost experimental rules for what I imagine we'll see in the codexes. Um, like for instance, um, Vigilist Defiant was a sort of a beta for a lot of the stuff Marines got. And really, the, I think the, the biggest crime of Vigilance of Blaze was that it got released at the same time as the Sp- Chaos Space Spring Codex. If they'd done the same thing as with Vigilance Defiant as they did with Vigilance of Blaze, I think the Codex Space Springs, even if they had released it like a month or two after, they'd have had time to sort of like, okay, this is what's working, what's not, and really yeah. sort of tweak things in a, in a good way. 
So um, what if they what if Eldar don't get a release? Let's play Devil's Advocate. Do you think that Eldar are in great shape if no. they don't get any? Of um, Eldar are currently in a bad spot, mostly because, well, to uh, quote uh, some people off of the Eldar uh, subreddit in Discord, Marines have a unit that does a specialized unit that does the same same thing that an Eldar specialized unit does. Uh, effectively, the Eldar's entire thing was that everyone is hyper specialized, and you, but was sort of weak otherwise. Whereas with the, the Marines having a, a unit that, okay, well you want a unit that does this. Well, we have this thing. It's worth like a few few points more. You get better armor, better toughness, more wounds. All these fancy special rules. So that's why like the the only list you see that does well cons like consistently at tournaments for the longest time was the Eldar Flyer spam mm -hmm. and then the Homunculus Coven's like impossible to kill for a Benvol and save across the board right. thing. Annoying. Yeah, it's it's annoying and it works worked well for a long time, but now there there are tools that sort of circumvent that. You've got I mean null zone has always been a thing, but now that's better than it used to be. Um and uh death hex on chaos if you ever get that matchup and i think that the adjustments that came out with psychic awakening will, can will spice things up a little bit but it doesn't in any way mitigate the underlying problem that eldar are no effectively are no longer a special snowflake army every army now can do the same thing eldar does but with newer and shinier toys um mm -hmm. and I love Eldar to death and I've had good success with them, but it's much like um, I, I played a game with the, the original Space Brain Codex for 8th edition about a year ago against the Sisters of Battle Army. And it felt like pulling teeth because every thing that I knew I should be good at, the army I was playing against had a better version of it. Um, and I think that's what a lot of Eldar players feel at the moment and are really just sort of getting frustrated um, with the sort of lack of what they consider to be viable options. They feel pigeonholed yeah. into, you take this if you're going to play seriously, or, well, if you're not playing seriously, take whatever you want. But um, And when you look at the option to play seriously, it's like <laughs> dumb, right? Like Yeah, like just... nobody re really wants to play that. I mean, I own for Crimson Hunters, but that's because back when they came out, there were all these cool 7th edition formations you can do with them. And I thought mm -hmm. that, and that my goal was to collect every formation available. Um, but now it's just sort of like, I mean, I could take them, but it's dumb and I don't like, like it. free rhinos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it almost sounds a lot like Thousand Suns. Uh, almost, I don't know if it's as bad as Thousand Suns because I mean, with I Thousand Suns... Or it's not Eldar, as bad least... as Thousand Suns because you can at least you can right. soup up with Eldar. You've got there are a, a bunch of different builds you can do with them because they have tons of units. They have tons of options. Right. But most of those options just aren't very good in the, the current incarnation, or they suffer the problem of they're sort of lackluster without their characters. Yep. And there are so many hard counters to what they want to do that now that they've the Inari, classic Anari is dead. 
it was, they uh, lost some of their teeth there. And a lot of the new armies that come out are just sort of, okay, you can shoot me, but is this going to work? I, I, I mean, like Dark Reapers, for instance. If you compare Dark Reapers to Eliminators, the Eliminators are going to just kill the ever-living snot out of those Dark Reapers. Uh, and they just like you shoot, I shoot, you shoot, I shoot. Um, and on the one hand, it's, it's good. Eliminate like the Marines needed to be good. I like the eliminators that are useful, but the fact that the what is was for the longest time considered to be one of the most overpowered units of the game is just okay. And this is like yeah. one of the best units in the codex speaks a lot to the rest of the. Yeah. Thing that literally the fact that the uh, current thing that's popular among elder players is okay. We're gonna take five dire avengers. We're gonna make sure that one of them dies. That way we get super powered. Is sort of sad. Is a race like yes, we're a dying race, but we have to selectively kill off a guy, like shove him, to make sure that we get bonuses. That but, is uh, pretty dumb. Yep. But at but, least they have a build, right? Like they yeah, have. They, they they do have a build, which puts them in yep. a better position than Thousand Sons. Yeah, but I don't sons just have nothing. I mean, I, I can just... channel my irate inner Eldar player for, for days, so we can right. probably just shove off this tough subject. Right. I mean, you could I... you couldn't even make the psyker argument because Eldar actually, in my opinion, have better psychers. They get way better bonuses. They get way better spells in most cases. I mean, they just they don't have the raw mortal wound output that that thousand sons can have but if you look at it in the grand scheme the amount of wounds you can do from that are, are is not trivial but marginal in in the yeah. comparison right so yeah and they, they did get some new uh, new branch tree of psychic powers um it with psychic awakening which some of them are actually fairly good mm -hmm. um but i i think that the as a codex they lack direction and i think that a lot of the former like really good codex is like thousand sons are op eldar are op now that the meta has adjusted around them and there are new releases the format for itc has changed um i think that they're left sort of high like sort of wondering like okay well what do we do now right. um and well at least with the well at least with this update that's coming we're we're at least going to get a peek at what we might be seeing when thousand suns start to get their stuff i mean right? they did say that everyone's getting something and so yep. i'm hoping thousand suns will get something fun uh in the and you know the the update. later the later we have to wait the better uh just based mm -hmm. on the fact that the you know the stuff that comes out later just has more stuff taken into context yep. um you know the the key thing I think is what do they do with some of the, the other trader legions? So I think word bearers, emperor's children, it sounds like they're, they're going to get some stuff. I don't expect Fulgrim, you know, no, I don't, they keep I, hinting at him, but I don't think he's going to get a release from the upcoming faith and fury update. Yeah, and I thought at the beginning of the year we talked and we thought, hey, this year we're probably going to see Fulgrim or something like that. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen it. I think we're overdue for another Primarch to come out. Um, yeah, though I, I do think that we'll actually probably get a Loyalist Primarch before we get another Chaos Primarch, just to sort of even things out. Well, it's kind of what everybody thinks, but the other thing they could be looking at is, well, you know, if, if Space Marines in general are a better army, then let's not put another Primarch out. Let's give Chaos a Primarch. 
another yeah. Primarch, and they could do that. So it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly, you know, loyalists get one, traders get one, back and forth. So they, yeah. it could just be uh, the other thing that they could be looking at is just what they feel like is cool and they want to work on and what they want to release. Uh, they could yeah. just not be all that interested in in doing another loyalist Primarch right now. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But um, looking at what's coming out, though, I'm actually very excited for Faith and Fury. Not because I play any of the armies that are getting featured, because um, I don't. But um, I'm hopeful that the, with them adjusting, I'm hoping that the Faith and Fury rules will give the other Trader Legions updated, like, Legion traits, relics, special stratagems, stuff like that. Um, because currently what what like what even sees play like red corsairs um some of the other uh, renegade chapters black legion if you're running abaddon but really um i guess alpha legion sees play every once in a while because they, they still get the minus one to be shot at well, i actually imagine alpha legion will be getting yeah. a nerf coming forward i think black legion Red Corsairs, Flawless Host. Those yeah. are the three that see play right now. I actually don't even think Alpha Legion sees all that much play anymore because you have more utility in the other armies. Uh, there's more mm -hmm. synergy, uh, especially yeah. Black Legion. I think Black Legion actually has some stuff that you can put on the table and make go of it. Um, yeah. Not necessarily be super competitive, but I sure think you know, you'd have a shot at five and one at, at SoCal, I think. Um, yeah. You certainly aren't going to win against the the top power marine list, which you're certain to run into trying to get six and zero. But that's just kind of my take. So yeah, but um, also Black Templars are finally getting the release. I imagine uh, the yeah. few Black Templar players are happy, going to be very happy for that because I know there was a whole lot of uh, salt about the fact that they didn't get any of the special stratagems um, right. on release of the new codex. It's probably almost better for them to get their own little thing here in this book. It'll be hopefully better, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like the idea that it's literally just Black Templars versus six Chaos Legions. Just like, we can take them! <laughs> and then Rogador's in the back, like, no, you can't! No. Dorn's Angry Boys. Oh, man. God, I hate the war sometimes. It's just so annoying and predictable. <laughs> It's yeah, like, no, you I'm know actually... what's going to happen. It's going to be like this brilliant plan, which is going just fine. Like, why can't we just have a planned, a plan just like, hey, this is great. You're going to take over the sector. It's going to be an awesome victory or whatever. And the plan is going off without a hitch. Like, what's wrong with that? Why not just have the whole plan be successful? You know, like, like I they mean... did with Cadia. Like, even Cadia, they couldn't even concede that. That had to be like, you barely won. You barely got it. I mean, you're it, lucky. In Games Workshop's defense, much as it is nice from time to time, like, yeah, and then the plan went off without a hitch. It's not very interesting. Um, well, you can make the story of how that happened interesting, but yeah. it's more the fact that they re they reuse and recycle the the whole like, oh, but at the last minute, here comes the Black Templars. Like, oh, yeah, great. I didn't see that coming. I mean, we can't all be Zinch for Thousand Sons. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. but even then, that that doesn't even work out all that great. I mean, I, actually, that that is actually one thing I have to point out. Thousand Sons in the current fl uh, fluff have a very good track record of their plans going according to plan. Um, 
uh, Wrath of Magnus went exactly according to Magnus's plan, except for like he didn't mess him up. Like space was up as quite as bad as he planned, but he like achieved his, like objectives A, B, C, and D. And like, oh no, we didn't get E blowing up uh, Fenris, but that was sort of a like a stretch goal. It wasn't a core component. All right. So on that track record, how do you think Hasafet believes uh, feels about that? I don't recall who that is. Uh, he is uh, Mutilith Vortex Beast dude and 999 oh. rituals. I mean, strictly speaking, it did go according to plan. He just didn't quite understand what the plan was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, when it's always just as planned, then it's always Precisely. according to the plan, right? Yeah. I know, right? I, I, I see how that works. But um, this is like the, the time that um, a Lord of Change possessed Saint Celestine. That was great. It all went according yeah. to plan until Greyfax got involved. But up until that point, it was perfect. <laughs> right, exactly. But that is the problem. It's like the rinse and reused story over and over again. Like up until this point, you know, everything was <laughs> going according to plan. You know, up until Abaddon threw the, the Blackstone Fortress at the planet, you know. I, I don't think and, that was according to the plan, though. I think he like, I, he just yeah. got so mad just get his butt hurt and like you know right, what challenge accepted just like no <laughs> boss you have a giant planet destroying fortress why don't you use that no he's called me bad words i must go fight him <laughs> it's like damn it boss i, I imagine yeah. being, um a bad well, it is a very frustrating experience he's always been that way though even from the very beginning of the heresy he was always really temperamental like they they talk about like Erebus and Lorgaia being like whiny bitches, but Abaddon was a whiny bitch. Like he was yeah, the biggest whiny bitch out of the whole group of them. Just, I mean, so of the Mordenval, he was the caller. Literally, his entire job was to be angry about things. The mm -hmm. fact that he wasn't a a um, world eater is amazing to me. It's like I the, know. literally, it's like literally like Loken is like a reasonable answer. Torgadon. Like creative answer, little Horus, a like reasonable answer. Abaddon, slightly, slightly. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like what the hell? Well, even when they were fighting with uh, the the world eaters on Isvan three, I mean, it was it was very even very much just just let the world eaters go do what their thing is. It just tells you how aggressive they were. Just yeah. let them go do their thing, and that's that. Just leave it, leave it be. Yeah. The, the thing I find funny about the Faith and Fury title is just it's going back to the release is the fact that it as much as like the Black Templars are in the book and like, yeah, we're faithful and we're furious, that also very much applies to the word bearers who are featured on the cover. I know. And that's something and, we've pointed out just in some chats that if they're on the cover, are they the are they the poster boys for this event? You know, I kind of hope they are. Uh, way back when I first started the game, the word bearers were actually like the preeminent legion, literally. Like, yeah, the Black Legion was there, but they weren't really that important. Um, and as they need, they need the help, man. They, yeah, they but are as time went so by, shit. they went well, effectively drifted away from this chaos undivided thing to this chaos divided, but Black Legion gets to be special. And I'm really hoping that this the, the new release for them will allow them to really just show that they're not a joke. Yeah. And um, I actually, I, I'm hoping that the 
they make good use out of the possessed units because historically that's like their thing is that they yeah. have possessed, they have greater possessed, their leaders are all possessed by demons and that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to have, so it, it had me thinking the other day how every, every um, trader legion has kind of like their own on the, on the chaos side has their own, like hybrid units so for example the thousand suns have the combination of a captain and a sorcerer mm-hmm. and then the um iron warriors ought to have the combination uh, you know they have their warsmith which really yeah. should be like a combination of a captain captain uh, and a tech marine warpsmith. yeah or a tech marine yeah. um and the word bearers uh, very obviously should have a you know combination of a you know a chaplain dark apostle a, yeah, yeah dark apostle Docker, Dark Apostle and a and a Chaos Lord. So yeah. Um, it would be really cool for them to have a, you know, they could they could possibly, and if you if you look at what they've been doing so far, they've been giving the models like Shrike and you know all of the the essential I guess captains and chapter masters and the the notable figures in the armies. Hell hell Mephiston's got a new model coming out. Um, they could put something like Erebus or, you know. Uh, Lucius, sorry, the name escaped me for a second. Uh, yeah. Lucius in there with just like fantastic models. Hell, you could have um, was it Hansu or somebody on the on the on the Iron Warriors, Iron Warriors side, yeah, because they're in there. Um, Night Lords, I don't know, I don't know who's who's running the show anymore there. And Alpha no Legion one's running just... the show. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, same thing with Alpha Legion. They 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 are so out of control. Like nothing can can write that ship so i mean obviously you just you put alfarius in as your character just like my name is alfarius it's like are the primarch alfarius maybe like, hmm it's actually uh, funny the last night lord's novel i read was them fighting the carcaridons and literally oh, it turned into it was like night lords versus carcaridons like okay yeah this is awesome and then it's like night lords versus night lords versus carcaridons and it's like uh what's happening here and it was like night lords versus night lords versus night lords versus carcaridons and literally the, the carcaridons like i mean this is great they're killing themselves it's like like yeah just purge the heretics <laughs> it's like oh my god what is even happening right now that sounds so much like chaos space marines right now just yeah <laughs> you're not killing them fast enough fuck you and i'm gonna kill you now <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh, the other man. fun release i'm looking forward to seeing uh the new uh, chaos horser looks really nice um, oh i love the backpack on that how they did a little yeah it's the, it's the classic gold. backpack with the yeah. staff and the my only complaint is that he doesn't have a helmet well you like, can fix that I mean, I can fix that, but I just I I hope they give us a helmet as an option. I, I hate the characters that don't have helmets. Yeah, let's just put a different helmet on it. You yep, they give them a big, spiky, sorcerer helmet. Of course, because the more spikes you have, the better a sorcerer you are, right? It's just yes. Yeah, so see, he's just a regular sorcerer. So he only has a few spikes. Let's right. keep that in mind. They're very small right. spikes on the back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's only learned like a baby smite, so once he gets yeah. to full smite, then he can get more spikes. He needs to learn to exalt himself. Needs how to learn that Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs>